2: Thanks for
1: hanging out with us on this Wednesday edition of the Lombardi Line presented by DraftKings alongside former NFL general manager Michael Lombardi, Stormy Bond, and Tony with you. Got a great two hours on tap. Lots to get to previewing week 15 in the National Football League quarterback updates. Coming up a little bit later on in the show, former All-Pro linebacker Sean Merriman is going to join us. We'll have Harry Gagnon on in his usual Thursday spot to get his uh, Wednesday spot to get his Thursday night football cartoon pick. So lots to get into. Michael, how are you doing this morning? What's going on? on. Uh-
2: I am sure. Did you and uh, Harry kind of uh, have a meeting to figure out what your teaser is going to be for this week, since you two seem to be (laughs) kind of in lockstep here on teasers?
1: And obviously it did not work out for us last Thursday, Michael, with the same... I didn't
2: bring it up like that. I didn't mean it like that. I just thought, you know, you're the teaser couple.
1: I was so relieved not to have to come on the show last Friday after the Thursday night debacle that was Patriots-Steelers, where we both did a same game teaser, where we had the under and the Steelers. How... How'd both of those go, Michael? Eesh.
2: You know what I've learned in this industry for for five years that I've listened to it is when it looks that easy, it never is, right? And when it looks as easy as okay, Miami thirteen point Tennessee, Tennessee secondary's terrible. You know they couldn't hold the Colts. Yada yada yada. The Simmons is out. Looks too easy. When it looks too easy, walk away.
1: The trap I've also noticed for myself recently. And it's funny when you kind of like those of us that bet often, we have our little grid of our wins and losses and you write little notes and things that you're successful and things that you're not. And for me, I suck at primetime games, which I hate because I feel like on this show, we delve into the details of them so much more for our audience. And I'm like, I do so much better on Sundays, just the normal Sunday slate than these standalone games. So maybe I need to prioritize um, the way that I'm doing my bets a little bit more. But because we mentioned that Thursday night game in the Patriots, first win for them in a while and now um, one of two teams though for this team despite the win that is eliminated from playoff contention New England is and it appears that writing on the wall that we've been feeling for a while as it pertains to Bill Belichick and his future is becoming a little bit more firm according to a report from Tom Curran of NBC Sports Boston Robert Kraft made the decision at the end of that week 10 game against the Colts in Germany that they will part ways with Bill Belichick after this season Um, the, the, the quote that's kind of coming around here is when they came out of Germany conversations I meaning Tom had that week made it very clear the decision was made and they were going to play out the string and at the end of the year would be parting ways for a variety of reasons and I wasn't told this specifically but the main one being you don't fire Bill Belichick during the season it's just not gonna happen and and so Michael these rumors have been swirling around for a Mm -hmm. long time your boy Bill is always in the news but what did you make of the report
2: well, I found it interesting that if it, was, if it happened after Germany and they had the bye week in week 11, why didn't it come out that week? Why now? Look, I, I think there's no question, and I think Tom does a great job of, of being an insider in the New England Patriot organization, which is tough to get information out of, as we know. But, you know, so his sources, I'm assuming, are very credible, and I'm not disputing what he, what he said. However, I think at the end of the year, we all know there's going to be a meeting. You know, whether it's going to be January the 8th, January the 9th or January the 10th, they're going to sit down. He and Robert Kraft are going to sit down and go over where they think the problems are, where they think the problems were and where they think the problems could be moving into the future. So I think a lot will depend on that meeting. I couldn't imagine that that after the ball is. given back to the officials against the Jets on January the 7th, a half hour later, we hear Belichick's gone. But to me, I think the two of them have had so much success that it's going to take a meeting to sit down to say, okay, you know, do we want to continue this? Do we not want to continue this? And how do we make this divorce, if we do have a divorce, seem as easy as we can make it? Because for all the success we've had, You know, it's important that we still you're you're still part of the fabric of this franchise. Those six Super Bowls are going to be attached to you. They're going to build a statue in front of the stadium for you. You know, it's never going to go away. So how this ends is going to be very important.
1: Yeah, one six Super Bowls, went to nine. Obviously, three decades of friendships, of relationships, of highs and lows, so there's a lot there, but um, like you said with with the divorce, um, sometimes they can be amicable, and sometimes a, a separation and a parting of ways can be the healthiest thing for both parties, and in this case with the Patriots, obviously the last few years, it's been kind of a steady tick down, and New England 3-10 and right now, worst win percentage in Belichick's 29-season career as a head coach. Patriots are second-worst record in the NFL right now. They're eliminated from playoff contention. They're on pace to finish last in scoring offense. And all that to say, their defense is still really, really good. So I don't think yeah. that there's a question that Bill Belichick lost his ability to coach. He's still a very good coach. I think the personnel and draft and a lot of those GM role-type things have probably been a deterrence in recent success for them. So the the assumption is that if not in New England, he's still going to go and be a coach and still going to be chasing Shula's record, correct?
2: I, I, I know... I don't get the sense that, that he's tired. I don't get the sense that he doesn't want to keep coaching. It's part of who he is. You know, and it and, and we know that that the success as you get older in life, uh, you know, sometimes you tend to wear down, but I don't get that. I think he has the urge, and I don't think it has anything to do with Shula. I just think he has it has everything to do with I love the work. The one thing about Bill that has always resonated with me is in the in. In the moments when it seemed so bad or when it seemed so good, his focus never changed. It was always about the work. It was always that he was in love with the work. It wasn't the the Super Bowls, the playoffs. That's the reward. The work is what he loved. And I don't think at this point in his life you can take away the work. He's not going to let the take because he still loves the work. When he doesn't love the work anymore, then I think he'll walk away. But he loves the work. So if they have a divorce, if this is what happens, then I think he's, he'll be available for whatever teams that may have an opening as it comes through this season to at least explore and go down that avenue.
1: Yeah, and what those teams that have an opening might have in place when it comes to ownership quarterback, defense, salary cap. There's obviously a lot of things that go into that, but where it could be a fit for Bill? Certainly. Um, and then you talk about the work. He's only focused on that this week because when reporters were following yeah. up in the press conference earlier today, his responses about all of the questions about his future were just focused on Kansas City this week. So let's talk about Kansas City this week, Michael, because we are a betting network and there are numbers that are applied to these things. The Patriots are nine and a half point underdog this week at home in Foxborough against the Chiefs, total 37. Second time, Bill Belichick in his era as the Patriots head coach, that they have been a home dog of nine points or more. Now, I'm not going to say that this is what's going to happen again this weekend, people, but the first time, they were an 11-point dog against the Colts in 2001, and New England won that game 44-13. to 13.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, th- this is obviously, we know the Chiefs are struggling offensively. We know that the Patriots have struggled mightily offensively, and we know the Chiefs' strength is their defense. And this is a little bit like when the Chiefs came to Las Vegas and played the Raiders. You knew the Chiefs were going to score points against a Raider defense. So you knew that that line was in jeopardy of – they were going to cover. They could cover the line, even when the Raiders went ahead fourteen to nothing. They outscored them thirty-one to three. So you know this is a little bit of a of a mismatch in terms of one offense can score, the other one can't. I think both defenses will be good. I think when you go back and watch the Buffalo tape, which I did yesterday again, you know this this chief offense isn't. There's no explosiveness to it. Kelsey's not the same player. A lot of his stuff comes off of loose plays. Teams are no longer feeling they've got to double Kelsey. Like, nobody's doubling. There's a lot of two-man under, and, you know, look, we can cover him, and we'll tackle him and see if he can see if he can make the plays that he made in the past. So there's not a lot of, oh, my God, look at it. You know, and then defensively, you've got to block Chris Jones, who's offsides on every single play. I mean, what, what makes last Sunday's game so hilarious is, is the fact that Chris Jones lines up offsides on almost every single play, and I've been saying it for three years. And their right tackle, Taylor, is in the backfield on every single play. Like, you could easily call 10 illegal formations against the Chiefs all, all game against Buffalo, easily. I bet you the league office has a stack of video in there from the opponents of the Chiefs getting ready to play that are the, of, of saying, is this legal, Taylor this far in the backfield? Is this legal, Chris Jones offside? So I thought it was kind of funny. But the matchup doesn't favor New England at all. Even in a low-scoring affair, Kansas City's the better team.
1: At the 9.5, though, so I I keep on thinking if this thing ticks to 10, I'm going to dive in on New England in that spot just because of the defensive success, to your point, and how good they've been in that area. Um, I also love, just because you're talking about the Chris Jones of it all, Michael tweeted about this and he's got a picture up there on Twitter. If you're not following Michael Lombardi on Twitter, what are you doing at M Lombardi NFL? You have to the the train of thought and awesome stuff that he puts out there is second to none. And I'm fortunate I get to talk to you every day here. But the Twitter stuff when we're off the air um, is great. But with this game, I think if it gets to double digits, how, how attractive is New England at that number?
2: Yeah, well, I think they are. And I think, you know, to me, at these high-number games, I I always try to work backwards, right? Like, how many points do you think Kansas City will score? I think they'll score 17, right? And so for you to cover this number, you got to think that the Patriots can score 17. I don't know if they can. You know, I don't know if they can. They're, now, look – you know, they couldn't score against the Chargers' bad weather game. We got that. I mean, last week against the Steelers, they threw for 222 yards. That's the most teams have thrown the ball against the Steelers in the last four weeks. I mean, it wasn't just an anomaly. Now, I know Watt got hurt and Highsmith and all that, but they threw actually through the ball. They made a couple plays. Juju Smith made a play down the field for 37 yards. They made a couple throws, and they scored 21 points. So, look, a lot of this is going to come down. Can they block Chris Jones? And if, you can, if they can handle Chris Jones and run the football and slow the game down and keep the game in the low 20s, they'll cover this number.
1: Again, that spread sitting nine and a half right now. Total 37. The Patriots updated season win total sitting four and a half over plus 200 under juice to minus 250. They got the Chiefs, Broncos, Bills, and Jets to round out the season the next four weeks. We're going to step aside here. Lots of quarterback news to update you on. And you mentioned the Steelers there. Big Ben had some thoughts on the state of the Steelers way. We'll be right back with the Lombardi line.
2: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni on v the sports betting network.
1: College Bowl season is here, and v has got an early Christmas present for you. Not a V-CEN Pro subscriber yet? No problem. We're giving away this year's College Bowl betting guide to everyone for free. We've got spreads, totals, and expert picks from the Goleks. Steve Mackinnon and Brent Musburger on every single bowl game. Put a bow on this bowl season and get your free copy of the VSN College Bowl Betting Guide right now. Visit VEASAN.com slash bowl guide. Again, it is free. Go get your copy today. Welcome back to the Lombardi Line. Stormy Bonantoni and Michael Lombardi with you. And as we were talking in the commercial break, some practice injury reports have been coming through, Michael. So give us the latest. Hit us with the, with the hits. What's going on?
2: Well, I think the t- the game to watch out for is Chicago going into Cleveland. You know, on the surface, you know, the Browns get a great win. Joe Flacco plays well. Miles Garrett starts to look like he's back from his shoulder injury. The Browns defense really did a nice job in the game, forced three turnovers by Trevor Lawrence. But then after the game, it just kind of has gone really bad for them. DeWan Jones, their starting tackle, he goes on IR. So now they're down another tackle. So they've lost both starting tackles. Post-sick, they're starting center, he's injured, he may not play in the game. So there's three offensive linemen that started the season that are not gonna that aren't gonna be on the team. And then you take an effect that Jerome Ford's got a wrist injury, so you're dealing with him, you know, and so there's so many, and then now we get to defense. Denzel Ward didn't play last week. They say he's trending in the right direction. Delpit, the safety, they just put him on injured reserve. Thornhill's hurt as well. So this is kind of a mash unit in going into Cleveland where, you know, they're going to have to play their best. Now, understanding – that the Browns typically play movement quarterbacks fairly well. I mean, we saw them play Lamar with, with Dorian Robinson-Thompson in the game or Thompson-Robinson, and they, they did a nice job on Lamar in that game even though they had no offense. So they'll be prepared to play fields and this movement and all that. I just worry about can they block the Bears' front? And Dockway, the Bears starting right end, he was placed on injury reserve this morning with a broken ankle. So there's a lot of injuries that I think you have to keep up on. I thought this line would get to three fairly quickly. It hasn't gone there yet. You know, I kind of see this as an opportunity for the Bears to play well. the, The Browns are very wounded at this point of the season.
1: Yeah, and uh, I just saw Mary Kay Cabot tweeting as well. Okoronkwo has a pec injury too, plays behind Miles Garrett off the edge. So just another guy going down looks like he's going to be done for the season Um, and the this is a Bears team that's been playing with some confidence lately and Justin Fields with him being back in the fold um, he's won back-to-back games they've won what is it three of their last four now so things have kind of turned around we talked about this yesterday with the Giants these bad teams don't seem to know how to tank properly so that they can get good draft position but the the Bears a team that have been on the up and up recently so yes we still see this number sitting three and a half total 37 and a half some other injuries to update folks on Oh, Actually, not not injuries, but just guys in and out of the lineup here. Josh Dobbs officially benched. We saw the news come through yesterday. Nick Mullins is going to be the starting quarterback against the Bengals this Saturday. And Vic Taffer of the Athletics says it's very likely Aiden O'Connell will be benched for Jimmy Garoppolo if he plays poorly in Week 15, something that we obviously saw this past week against that Vikings team where he probably should have been in game.
2: Well, I mean, I don't know what they were waiting for. I really have no idea. I mean, I have no idea. You watch that game and it was time. You know, as for Nick Mullen, he gets an opportunity to start. Now, Nick Mullen, you know, he has started games in the past. He's 10 and 15 as a starter, he's 6 and 7 on the road. You know, he throws 65% completion when he was with the 49ers as a starter. He's prone to throw interceptions. I mean, he came in the game off the bench. He had 13 passes. He had four bad throws of those 13. One was so bad it should have been intercepted, but it was a horrible throw, and they didn't make it. But he made nine really good throws in the game, Stormy. They were really good throws, especially over by their bench. Two-third down, key throws. So that's going to give them some life when they go into play Cincinnati because I'm telling you, when you go back and watch the tape on Browning and how good he's been and how accurate he has been with the football I mean it's somewhat remarkable how good he's doing in terms of he's been on target in two games first of all it's the best two games they've had offensively all year yeah. and he's been on target 86.9 percent of the time with his throws and he's had five drops in two games so you know he's doing exactly what he's asked to do put the ball in the right spot quickly now, they're a really good screen team too so even though they can't run the ball You know, even though they can't run the ball, they've been able to manufacture easy throws for him when the offense. And you got to credit Zach Taylor for that.
1: He's had rushing touchdowns and passing touchdowns in each of his two starts the last couple of weeks 86% completion percentage and 75% completion percentage, 354 yards, 275 yards. He's been great offensively when we all thought that the Bengals season was just lost after losing Joe Burrow. Uh, They are a three and a half point favorite in this game and you know the Josh Dobbs of it all obviously that was such a great story and you saw the glimpses of what's kept him around in the league for as long as he has been but you also see why he's been a journeyman and why he hasn't stuck anywhere. Um, Justin Jefferson also by the way we talked about it yesterday briefly avoided serious injury but I saw a video this morning where he and a few other players for the Vikings hosted um, some some families that are in a financially tough situation doing a shopping event for them and a little kid wearing his jersey he's walking around within the store he says are you gonna play on Saturday and he said oh yeah man I am so he Justin Jefferson straight from his mouth looking like he's gonna play this weekend
2: well and they need him but but here's the concern you have on Minnesota right and there's been a lot of sharp money professional people have bet Minnesota early in the week and moved that number but you've got to be really worried about their offensive line right so they got Ed Ingram who's limited with the hip injury you got Brian O'Neill did not practice. He's got an ankle injury. You've got Dalton Reisner. He's got a he's a, a, injured with an ankle injury. So you've got three of their starting offensive linemen that didn't practice yesterday. That's got to concern you. And this is a team with a backup quarterback and not really a running game. And I didn't mention that Madison's injured too. So he's got the ankle injury along with there's some talk that he has a concussion. So I think this is a really it sets up a hard game for Minnesota, especially for Mullen. Considering that, when you look at what, what's happened in Cincinnati the last two weeks defensively, right? The last two weeks defensively, Cincinnati has played their best football in terms of being able to stop the opponent's running game. I mean, they've done a much better job of that. In, in the prior three games, they were given up 166 yards per game on the ground. The last two weeks, they've given up 58.8 to the Colts, who can run the football, and Jacksonville doesn't really want to run it, but they can run it. So I think it's, you know, Minnesota can't run the ball in this game. It's going to put a lot of pressure on Mullen. Conversely, right, I mean, you can't run the ball in Minnesota. You're just not going to run the ball. Minnesota's really a good run team. They've had eight games where they've held their opponent to under 80 yards. But here, here's where the key is. Cincinnati don't want to run the ball they could care less about calling runs. They'll call bubbles and they'll call flats. And, you know, they have an outside passing game that they use as their run game. So it's really not going to affect them. Not being able to run the ball just gives Zach Taylor a chance to call more pass plays.
1: <laughs> yeah, and they've, they found a way to make it work for Jake Browning, certainly. And yep. the Vikings, you got to score some points if you want to compete with that offense. And uh, last week, obviously, that was not the case. Last couple minutes here, Michael, um, Ben Roethlisberger said in his latest <laughs> podcast, Footballin', that he feels Pittsburgh is losing the Steeler way, Specifically on the offensive side of the ball, they're not carrying that same toughness of years past. Here, take a listen to this clip.
2: You're not seeing, in my opinion, the toughness on offense, um, and, and I say toughness in the sense of a stealer toughness. Hmm. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with like, like, okay, this guy's soft. or like, who's who's grabbing someone by the face mask and being like, uh, uh-uh. uh, yeah, that's not no, no that's not, not what we do. It's not yeah. what we do. Um, is that happening? You know, and and yes, again, you have guys on defense doing it, but you need guys on both sides of the ball doing it. Because when you're in offensive meetings, when you're in offensive huddles, when you're doing that, you're meeting separately. You need someone to stand up in that room on offense mm-hmm. and be like, "Hey, this th- this isn't this isn't what it means to wear the black and gold."
1: Do you agree? You think they've lost some of the Steeler way?
2: No, I think their toughness is why they've been able to hang in there. I think what they've lost is him. They don't have a quarterback who can make plays like him. And I think the reason that they've been able to stick with Pickett is because he is tough. I mean, my question this week is how long do they stick with – how long are they going to stick with with, uh, my man MVP Mitch? Because now remember, Mason Rudolph hasn't thrown a pass since 2021. I mean, that's how long it's been he's played. When you go back and look at him in the league – And you say, okay, when was he playing good? You got to go all the way back to 2021 when the last time he saw action. I think they're like like the Patriots. They just can't get good quarterbacking play, And, and it doesn't come from Trubisky. For some reason, they've tried to make Trubisky into something he's not, which is a really good starting quarterback. And I'm not saying Rudolph's better. I'm not. I'm certainly not. But when you look at it, you know he's five, four, and one as a starter in his career. I think he lacks anticipation. I think he lacks timing. But Trubisky turns the ball over way too much for him
1: yeah and I think that's a great point that you said right off the top is they don't have him anymore right like you lose a hall of fame quarterback it's hard to take that next step Uh, looking at the quarter I mean Mitch Trubisky the quarterbacks we have this week Mitch Trubisky Aiden (laughs) uh, O'Connell we just talked about Nick Mullins Easton Stick Bailey Zappi Drew Locke Jake Browning Joe Flacco Tommy DeVito Tommy DeVito and Zach Wilson AFC and NFC players of the week you see that
2: Unbelievable! I mean, your Saturday starts what off world with are we Nick in? Mullins, Jake Browning, and then, you know, you're going to fly into Pittsburgh. You got MVP Mitch. You got Gardner. We, don't even tell, we treat Gardner Minshew like he's been a 20-year vet, like he's the best <laughs> player on the planet.
1: Even the, even the veterans, though. It's like Baker Mayfield, <laughs> D- Desmond Ritter. What are we? Oh, what a crazy year. No way or no doubt coming at you next on the Lombardi Line.
0: From BBC Radio 4. free this week in your Xfinity voice remote
2: this is the Lombardi line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi now here's your host Stormy Bonatoni on v the sports betting network
1: Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today. You'll get a daily email recapping all the best bets from our show hosts and guests. You'll also get unlimited access to the VEASAN.com picks page. Sort picks by sport, matchup, event date, and more. Check the top VEASAN experts leaderboard to view betting records, profit, and ROI. See which VEASAN expert has the hot hand. For VEASAN Pro picks, betting splits, power ratings, plus 24-7 video access. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today. You can sign up now for just $9.99 at VEASAN.com slash subscribe
2: disagree with these takes? No
0: way.
1: Uh uh-uh, uh, no way. Or
0: do you approve? Oh, no doubt. No doubt. No doubt, my mind. No diggity, no doubt. It's time to ask Michael Lombardi: no way or no doubt?
1: All right, Michael, we're coming in hot. I was on one, right in one these, this morning. Okay, the Bears, right. we talked about a little bit earlier. They're 3-1 and one over their last four games. Defense has made steady improvements throughout the course of the season. While I'm not going to say that Justin Fields is still playing for his job, I do think Matt Eberflus could be playing for his, so um, could be coaching for his. No way or no doubt, Matt Eberflus will be the head coach of the Bears next season.
2: Uh, you know, this is right in between. I would say no doubt he would be. I mean, I think he's done a really good job of holding it together. When you start dumping on all the problems he's had from injuries, coaches, and loses his defensive coordinator, you know, for reasons we don't know. Running back coach loses him. You know, a ton of injuries to start the season, kind of piecing it all together. You know, I, I think he's actually done a good job. I mean, I keep reading about, well, once Justin Fields goes somewhere, they know what to do with him. I think what you see is what you're going to get if he goes somewhere else. It's going to be inconsistent. It's going to be very challenging to throw the ball when you have to throw it if you're behind in a game, and you're going to have to play from in front. But I think he's done a good enough job to come back. Now, the wild card is Kevin Warren, right? The wild card is Kevin Warren. Does Kevin Warren, who didn't hire Eberflus, he didn't hire uh, – Ryan Poles, he's going to have to make a decision if he wants to brand the organization, you know, and they fired Mark Tressman after two years. They fired, uh, you know, other guys soon. So they don't have it's not like they haven't done this before. But I don't for me, there's no doubt he should be back because I think he's done a good job of holding a bad situation together.
1: Yeah, I think that if they continue to show fight and make these improvements, especially like they have on the defensive side of the ball, obviously he's a defensive guy. I I think that he can show enough to keep his job, but it's a matter of like you said, especially if you're bringing in a new quarterback next year, if you don't want to just start over fresh and have a new thing versus like the risk of okay, one a one and done, and then have two coaches like you did with Matt Nagy and Matt Eberflus with Justin Fields, you don't want to be in that kind of a cyclical situation again. Alright, let's go to the NFC South. You know how much I love talking about this division, so I'm hoping that maybe you can prove me wrong with this one. The winner of the NFC South, Michael, no way or no doubt, can win a playoff game? What do you think?
2: Uh, you know they're they're going to get a bad wild card team, right? I mean that's the thing. They're going to get a bad wild card team, and so there's probably no doubt they could win one. I don't wow. see it happening, but let's but let's put it in. Per, okay, so say let's go right here. All right, so it's Tampa. Four plays, uh, two play seven, three play six. Four plays five. If they're playing, if Philly's the fifth seed, there's no way they win. So they're going to play the best wildcard okay. team there is, and that's either going to be Dallas or Philly. So the answer to the question is no way.
1: Yeah, there'll be a, like a double digit underdog in that
2: game. There's no way. You're right. Once you do it like that, there's no way. Yep. It depends on who the fifth seed is, right? Yep. And so we know it's either going to be Dallas or Philly. All right. I mean, I think that we we know that we don't know who the first, number one seed is but we do know who the fifth seed is. It's not coming from the north, it's not coming from the south, and it's certainly not coming from the west, unless you know, they're not gonna get to the fifth seed. So it's gonna be, they're either gonna play Philly or Dallas and there's no way they win.
1: So let's talk about those Dallas Cowboys. No way or no doubt, Michael. The Cowboys will make the NFC Championship game for the first time since 1996 this year.
2: No way, and here's why. Mm. It's not because of Dak Prescott. I think there's holes in their defense. And I think if you paid close attention to the tape last week, everybody focused on the Eagles lost. Everybody tends to always look at the scoreboard. And and certainly that's an important, you know, that's an indication. But that game's a little misleading when you really watch it. That that game's a little misleading. I mean, Philly averaged 6.2 yards per play and they were having success. They just turned it over. Now, okay, you're not allowed to turn it over. I get that. You got to protect the football. But it wasn't as if Dallas had control of the game. Even when they were up, I think it was 24-13, 20, Dallas didn't have control of the game. They were able to move the ball, kick a field goal, extend it. But the reality of it is is I think Dallas' defense is somewhat of a liability. If they turn it over, they look a lot better than they are. Now, I think this week against Buffalo, I think it could be an offensive. I think both teams will move the football. I think they have a better chance of stopping Buffalo than they did Philly because Philly can power them. And they don't want to get powered. Buffalo wants to play a space game, and that's where Dallas is going to have its success. They want to rush the passer. Dallas's defensive front can win against Buffalo. It's a better matchup for them. Dallas's defensive front against Philly struggles, even with Micah Parsons and all who they have.
1: The best team they've had in a while. See if they can get over the hump. Dak Prescott 2-7 in playoff games. The Cowboys plus it 380. It won't
2: be Dak, though. It'll be the defense. I think yeah. the defense is going gotcha. to let them down. I don't think they're good enough. Now, look, Gilmore's playing great, and Bland's been unbelievable. But you, they've lost some guys defensively.
1: If you disagree, they are plus 380 to win the NFC, 8-1 to win the Super Bowl. The Buffalo Bills, Michael, no way or no doubt, very live to win the AFC East.
2: No, uh n- not to win the afc no way they win the AFC east i do not see that but i do see them very alive to to be in the playoffs and be a and be a really a problem i mean if they're the seventh seed and miami's the two seed miami doesn't want to host them again right you could see that happening right yeah if they're the sixth seed you know Kansas City doesn't want to host them again like they're going to be a team you don't want to play and why is that because in single elimination games when you have a great player He can win the game. He can win the game. If you're in a seven game series, you know, and there's just one great player on the team, it's hard for him to win four games. Now, Michael Jordan has done it in the past, so, you know, I say that. But to me, in a single elimination tournament, one great player makes a difference. Nobody wants to play Buffalo come playoff time. Not because you have to go to Buffalo, because you won't have to, but because of Josh Allen and his ability to do some things that are just hard to figure out.
1: Even money for the Bills to make the playoffs. Obviously, a tough road facing Dallas this week at the Chargers, Patriots, and closing the season against Miami on the road. Let's take a listen to what Cam Newton had to say about a couple of MVP favorites, shall we?
2: Yeah, Lamar Jackson, obviously Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott, Brack Parity. Like, but Brock, let's—they're not winning because of him. He's not turning the ball over. He's managing the game. And if we were to put that in its own right, as game managers, Brock, Parity, Tua Tonga-Valoa, Jared Goff, and really... Dak Prescott Mm. these are game managers they're they're not difference makers and when you say game manager I'm not asking you to go out and win the game I'm just asking you not to lose not to lose the game I don't give a damn what you do you don't have to score every time you just don't have to throw a pick every time either if we're gonna really call a spade a spade
1: Michael I found your Halloween costume next year but no way or no doubt Cam Newton is right those guys are game managers what do you think
2: well, I, I think it's a little. I think there's the definition of game manager. I think he's right in one sense: is that they have to play point guard. They are they are point guards that don't need to score. He was a point guard that was a scoring point guard. He was Magic Johnson when he played. He carried the team. I mean, I think Ted Ginn was his best receiver. Like he had a score, he had a play. Whereas these guys have a lot of good pieces around them, but I don't. I think it's a little bit of a misleading statement in the definition we hear managers we think that anybody could go do it no no Purdy's accurate Tua as much as I don't think Tua is a star I think he's benefits from his accuracy and his timing same thing with Goff now Goff's turned the ball over back to when he was at the at the Rams at the end when they got tired of it you know his interceptions went down and so that same thing with Dak I've said this all about Dak. When Dak doesn't have to throw it 50 times a game or 45, he's a better player. The terminology's wrong. I get his point. He's right about his point. There's no doubt he's right about his point. The terminology's wrong, and it's almost insulting to think that anybody can do what Purdy, Tua, Goff, and Prescott do because they can't.
1: Well, and I also like... Like, there's different tiers of that, too. Like, Dak and Jared Goff are, are not the same. And I just don't like the idea of quarterbacks and people that want to be in the league right now and aren't talking badly about guys who are doing it at a high level right now. Yeah. And it's not – like, Cam had weapons. Like, let's not act like Steve Smith and Greg Olson and Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams. Like, that they didn't that's help your cause. That's right. Yeah, Stephen Smith, yeah.
2: Like, yeah that's you right. Know, you're right. I was saying Ted G- again Yeah, no, you're right. Like, there are people right. that help Look, the because t- but he but that offense was all run through him what, the, what he's really but, saying is the offense isn't going through them they're facilitating the offense that's really what he's saying
1: i get it but what do you think about that outfit though michael can we what will it take I, I for me know. to get you it, in that hat
2: i don't know how you get that combination together like i don't know like if you lay out your clothes in the morning like how do you pick all that
1: like, are they custom made or yeah. do you, does he just, does he have a guy? Does he have a hat guy? I feel like He's Tommy DeVito's agent could make sure guy. that he could get all of the hats that he ever needed. We got to step aside when we come back. Sean Merriman joining the program. What's he think about the state of the Chargers right now?
2: I'm Katya Adler,
1: host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico.